Hey, security peeps, we are live with another edition of Breaking Into Cybersecurity. I am Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, helping awesome leaders hire great talent. And I am here today with one of those awesome leaders who hires great talent, Joshua Copeland. Nice to have you here, Joshua. Thanks for having me, Renee. Awesome. We're excited to you. We're excited for you to be here. So, Joshua, if you could start us off by um, sharing kind of what made you get into security. We always try to ask, you know, the path of the leaders that come on. What made you want to get into security and how did you get to where you are right now? Yeah, I'm one of those folks that was a unintentional cybersecurity person. I had joined the Air Force just out of high school and originally was put into logistics and they had a bunch of projects that they needed to do that were all IT stuff. And essentially what they did was they went and found the nerdy people who like to build their own computers and stuff like that. And they went, Aaron Copeland, you like doing this stuff. We're going to give you this job. And that just kind of built on itself year over year. I eventually formally retrained into uh, cyber, did pretty much everything you can think of, help desk support type stuff, uh, desk type support, router and switching servers, ran a uh, policy shop for a while, did pen testing, all the fun Gucci stuff. Um, finally retired from the Air Force after 20 years and moved into kind of the federal contracting space, did uh, cloud platform security tool sets, building out those security stacks. Uh, eventually got a team that did all of the cloud platform from SysAd to the security as well, running that stuff before moving over to AT&T and doing things with SOC. And now I'm doing some additional stuff kind of at the, you know, security advisor type level for some of our state contractors. That's awesome. So you really had that network, networking background, infrastructure, you know, coming through um, from that background. I, I heard network, network engineer or network security engineer or network admin and sysadmin and kind of coming through that path. Um, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it definitely gives you kind of a, a broad experience of all the pieces and parts that go together that make up what we call cybersecurity. <laughs> right, exactly. Now, we have a couple folks here. I like to shout people out. Please let us know where you are viewing us from. Um, Whole Cyber, our folks over at Whole Cyber Human Initiative, says let's go um the board of advisors are all here jared is here hey jared paul is here always here the advisory board members are on the platform which i love uh benita fall says hello and Lindsay says hello good day all good day to you Lindsay. too please 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 ask your questions as we learn more about joshua and his role and what he does um, and what he is looking for when it comes to talent. So folks are from NYC, Benita, and I don't know who this is, but Bro Obdi is from Ohio. Um, we always like to see where people are from because we end up getting folks from all over the country and all over the world, really. So it's really cool. And then somebody here is from Atlanta, which is nice. So please, folks, ask your questions because um, Joshua and I are just going to be chatting about what I want to talk about unless you ask your questions. 
<laughs> so Joshua, when you look for, um, you know, again, just cybersecurity awareness month, when you start to look for folks in the industry, and here is my fabulous co-host, he's coming on. Somebody's in the building. Woo-hoo. I love the beard. I love the beard. <laughs> That's what I said that first. I didn't even get to. I didn't get to say it online. I was like, I love a bearded man, and then the colors. I love the colors. Um, Joshua, when you look to hire talent, what do you look for? Like, and obviously that's a broad question um, because there's many roles that you're trying to fill. But overall, especially some for the for the newer folks, for the folks that are coming in that are trying to break in, what do you look for? So for me, it comes down to especially at the entry level. Do you have a good understanding of what cybersecurity is? Do you have a, a grasp on the basics? I don't really care how you got that uh, grasp, whether you went through college and got a degree, if you've done the certification path, if you've done the, you went in the military for four years and were doing hands-on stuff, you were part of a, you know, like I went to a vocational high school, you know, where there's a program built. My youngest daughter actually went to a vocational high school and started learning cybersecurity from that level. So for me, where you get it doesn't matter but just that you have that really good basic understanding and that you have a passion for it, that you actually want to learn and grow in this environment. It's one of those things where every day it changes without exception. So if you're not one of those folks that wants to continually learn, you're not going to be successful. And how do you look for that curiosity and that desire to learn in an interview? So on resumes, so looking on paper, I'm looking to kind of see what you're doing. You know, are you putting that you're doing, you know, CTFs? Are you going out and doing, you know, try hack me, hack the box, any of those type of things? In the interview, I ask lots and lots of open-ended questions. Tell me your story. Explain to me what you know. Don't just give me a textbook answer and leave it at that. Expound upon it. Show that you understand and take that next step really kind of convince me that this is what you're passionate about. This is what you want to do. And do you look for, you know, that's a resume coming across your desk, but when you see folks that are on LinkedIn or on the other channels, um, do you consider them or look out for, for people who are sharing what they're doing in social, on social media? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm all about building the community. It's kind of a huge passion for me. And if you're out there, you're making a name for yourself, you have a reputation, you know, networking is the key to getting a job in pretty much anything, but particularly in cybersecurity. Um, The stats don't lie. It's 70% of all jobs aren't even posted anywhere. They're filled through knowing somebody who knows that position's open. So making those connections and going, hey, I have this job opening. You know, I know these three people that I've seen on LinkedIn that do great stuff. I've seen their work. I've seen what they write. They have a good reputation among their peers. I'm going to go reach out to them before I just start taking random resumes off the street. Yeah, we tell people that, um, you know, Chris and I, and you've watched this podcast. (laughs) We've been telling people that forever. Um, and that I like that stat that 70% of jobs are not posted. Um, so, so folks, you know, 
take that for what it is. Um, it, it just is what it is. You have to network and you want to be in these places where hiring managers can come in um, and ask their peers, which is what Joshua just talked about, asking his peers, like, who is a good referral? You want to be one of those referrals. And how do you get that? By putting your information out on social media, on LinkedIn. Um, jo Joshua, it, are, do you look in, I know, obviously, Twitter and LinkedIn are the two top ones. Are there other places? I don't know if you do, if you even go on Twitter. Yeah, uh, Twitter, Reddit, you know, all those places that kind of build those things. There's actually surprisingly some very good communities within uh, Facebook, which is kind of shocking. Um, and then professional organizations, uh, organizations like uh, ISSA, uh, as is AFSIA, you know, ISC squared, they have local chapters and you can build connections that way. Um, I'm a board member on several organizations uh, here locally, including uh the CSA, so the Cloud Security Alliance. So these are ways to kind of network with people and be able to make those connections. Um, I will tell you point blank, every job I've had since I retired from the military has been based off of me having a network and being referred to those positions. Without and, exception, every job. And in some of these forums or LinkedIn platforms, things like that, um, what what do you look for in public so paul's question comes right in there um explain like learning in public and how you see posts like what do you look for in those posts what what do your peers look for in those posts for for job seekers yeah so in those posts i'm looking for them to be intelligent i'm looking for them to be accurate and i'm looking for actual like contribution to the community. Uh, I liken it back to kind of the academic model when you go to college, you know, academic integrity, you know, if you're citing something, you know, make sure that those sources are given, that you're giving credit where credit's due. You're not just copying and pasting somebody else's stuff. Um, and that you're kind of adding to the intellectual body of that topic. So if you're going to post on something, you know, you're doing this lab that you want to kind of do your narrative, that you're right up on how you did that. Awesome. Show that to me. Show me what you did and how you did it differently or how it impacted you. I love it. A um, couple other questions from our audience um, or comments. All of this is great. Great insights for job seekers, quality connections by building relationships and networking. Networking is a great way to keep the doors open. Then shout out to Lindsay saying that he knows that voice. <laughs> and then Bethany saying, talking about networking, I'll be looking for an ISSO security analyst position early next year. So remember my name. <laughs> well, thank you, um, Bettina. Uh, yes. We will we'll try to remember your name. But in the meantime, make sure you keep posting about what you're learning and how you're growing. So. Josh, what are some of the things that you do to develop your talent from entry level and ensure that they continue to progress up the pipeline? So I kind of have a, a couple different ways that we attack the same problem. Um, one, you know, something I learned from my military days, I produce a reading list every year. Typically, it's three books. One is a 
kind of leadership book that is not directly related to what we do. One is generally kind of related to what we do, but not in that same kind of pipeline. And one is some kind of technical book in what we do specifically. So by giving kind of three different views of the topic, you kind of enable some growth. That's some kind of professional development reading. Then we also, you know, do internal trainings. I try to get everyone as much training as I possibly can. Um, budgets are hard, you know, they're limited, but there are tons and tons of free training opportunities, free conferences out there. So I make sure that I get all those kind of collected up and pushed out to my folks. That way they can attend. I push maximum attendance to everything possibly can do. As long as we can make the job work, I will let you do whatever you need to do to kind of upskill yourself. Um, we're always looking for folks that are at that next level. And when we have those positions, you know, our first source of folks is our internal people, because I want to show that you have a path forward, you know, kind of engender that loyalty there where we're building you up and we have a place for you. So you mentioned like there's all, all that material. Do you have like a catered approach for certain roles? Like these are the things that you need to know to get to from junior to mid to senior. Yeah, absolutely. We kind of have, I, I hesitate to use the word checkbox because it's much more, you know, nebulous than that, but here are, you know, those critical things that we need you to know. Here are ways and opportunities to get that knowledge, to demonstrate that you've learned it and that you're capable of doing those things and look at it from that perspective. When we're able to do that, folks feel engaged. They actually feel valued because we're allowing them to do training opportunity. And then hopefully we're able to promote them. It's such a great approach. I mean, there's so many um, companies that or that, that don't look at it that way, that, you know, they think, oh, we're going to spend this money and spend the, spend the budget and then the person is going to leave. And what I tend to say is they're probably going to leave anyway. <laughs> or, they, you know, if they're, they're in a growth mode, they want to continue growth. And it's awesome to hear that in your space that you have um, you know, a way to maximize that growth, um, because that is the one area when you talk about retention and retaining employees, it's the one, it's usually the number one area for leaving an opportunity is growth. So it's good to hear about you and what you're doing to keep, to promote folks from within and grow them from within, even if you can't do an actual promotion, because we know how tricky it is with budgets and promotions and things like that, but them getting that knowledge and getting that, um, the resources and the access that's that's fantastic yeah with organizations typically being very pyramid shaped it can be hard to promote folks within so it's absolutely true you know the best opportunity to promote is generally to leave the company you're at what i think speaks kind of volumes about our organization is we'll have folks that will leave us go gain some additional experience doing something different or something that's next level for them and then they come back and then we're able to leverage all the things that they learned there, as well as that experience they already had with us. And it speaks to me that, you know, we have the environment that they want to come back to. Which is awesome. And, I, and you know, one of the things that I tell folks in that, because this happens very, very often, where 
exactly what you just described. You know, someone gets recruited out to somewhere else or they'll go get the promotion somewhere else and then they'll kind of circle back around. Um, one company I used to work at, we, we would call them boomerang hires. Like they would, <laughs> they would go and come back, come right back with new skills, which is great. And I, I tell, tell people, especially people who are growing in their careers, like you don't want to burn bridges. You want to leave on a good note. You want to um, be in a position where you can go out and someone will be happy for you to come back versus if you want to go back, people are like, no, thank you. So I just want to add that into all the, the budding, the up and coming folks in their career. Oh, yeah. Cybersecurity is a small field. You know, everybody knows what the each other within like two or three connections, you know, that whole six degrees of separation. When I moved over to AT&T, you know, I wound up working with some folks that I didn't work with, but we had the same friends in common from the time that we were both in the service. So it's very much a small environment. And if you develop a reputation, whether it be good or bad, it will be known within your community and will either help or hinder you. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Some more shout outs. Hello from Missouri. People are from everywhere. And I love all this happening on Twitch. It's so funny. Right before this podcast, I was having a a call with a lady whose two kids are doing um, pretty much, Josh, what you said your daughter is doing. So they're getting certifications in high school in security. And, um, And we were talking about, I was saying that Chris who uh, puts a, puts a, this podcast out there. I was like, oh, he has this on Twitch and Twitter. She was like, you're telling me things that I've never heard of <laughs> before. So I love this commentary. For Twitter. It was so funny. She's like so completely out of this industry. So we were bonding over the fact that her kids are now like way deep in security. It's funny as teenagers. So Lindsay says, I'm actually here because of all your advice. I'm in the gray area where we did not use social media to highlight all the quote great things or attempts. I do see a lot of value in helping others on Slack or Discord during technical um, for technical questions. Unfortunately, it's not LinkedIn. How do you express this to an employer who's looking at your social media presence? So great question. Um, one of the things that you know I've had folks do is you know list out their usernames for those types of environment and point me to that. Um, I had a guy who was very very active on the Splunk board and actually helped develop some of the alerts that Splunk actually put out in production. And by going looking at their user ID for there, you're able to kind of see that history. You know, show me your GitHub repository. You know, let me see the projects that you're working on. If you're doing something cool, you know, highlight that in a way that I'm able to find it. I really like that advice. Um, And it's something that I don't think about while I am giving advice too, because I do see like a lot of times I'll go on GitHub or recruiters will go on GitHub and, you know, different, different, different places and where we, where talent may not necessarily be putting their stuff on LinkedIn, but I really, really like that advice. That's great advice. And just like hunting, go, go where, go where the prey is. So um, if you're looking for hiring managers that are in a certain area, go to the discords for that area, go to um, the slacks for that area. And then that way you can be where you're congregating. Yeah. But they may want to know, like, if, they, if they're if they completely green, like, where are the slacks? Where are the, where, how do you know, how do you, how do you get into those Slack channels? Because sometimes they're closed. Yeah. And, 
like everything else, a lot of that comes to networking. You know, once you kind of start getting in there and start building those connections, we're going to go, hey, you're into this. Come along with me. Follow me over here and I'll show you this thing and bring you into those uh, kind of environments that will let you grow. One of the best pieces of advice I give folks is, you know, if you're looking at doing a particular type of job or looking for a particular industry, go follow five people in that job. Then go find five companies that do that thing. Follow those companies. Look at employees that are there. Look what they're posting about. That's going to give you kind of a, a very big picture idea of what's going on in that space and go see where they're looking at, what they're doing. And, you know, that kind of shapes you to where you might want to go. Excellent advice. So Paul wants to know, how costly is a growth development plan, if any? So that's a kind of loaded question. Growth development plans can cost you nothing but time. If you're you know, diligent and you are able to go leverage a bunch of free resources, or you can, you know, if you have the budget for it, go get some great stuff like Range Force, um, the paid subscriptions for Hack Me, Hack the Box, Cyberry. You know, those are very kind of institutionalized situations, but you can totally develop a plan for just the time that you're putting into it based off of all those free resources. You know, I have a kind of basic plan that I give some folks that come to me that are starting out for Security Plus, and it, you know, gives you tons of resources for under $1,000. You'll come out of that program with, you know, half a dozen certifications, Security Plus, and kind of check off that box for a lot of that federal type work that you might be trying to get into. And um, another opportunity, like Western Governors University Mm -hmm. does something very similar where they combine getting your certifications with getting your education. And um, I personally, as someone with a master's and that values the value of education, love that approach. Yeah, absolutely. There are some great universities out there that are um, leveraging kind of both pieces, traditional education as well as certification. Um, Western Governor is one that definitely is focusing on a little bit more, but there are a lot of other universities that are taking certification in lieu of credits, which is a kind of great way to build credits, expose yourself to different things, and you know have those pieces of paper that say, this is what I know. It's cool stuff. So Benita wants to know, is the cybersecurity field open to folks who really think out of the box, especially given how the majority of it is technical? Do folks in cybersecurity have a space for spontaneity? I know that your beard is a bit spontaneous, smiley face, (laughs) but is there space for that on the job? (laughs) I like Benita. (laughs) So absolutely. Um, Some of the best folks I've worked with do not have traditional education in cybersecurity. The guy who actually replaced me as SOC director, his background was not uh, cybersecurity. He has his undergraduate degree in marketing. I've hired folks with a degree in French. I've hired folks with a degree in accounting. Each one of those things kind of gives you a different perspective on looking at things. You know, People who are accountants are very, very into digging into the numbers and understanding how and why things happen. That's a direct translatable skill. You know, marketing, Let's be real clear, phishing, social engineering is all marketing. So that's very much a transferable skill, but you have to squint and look at it and understand where those kind of congruities are. 
between those two things. So is there opportunity for people who think really outside the box? Yeah, come to the table because let's be really straightforward. The folks that we're defending against are completely thinking outside the box. They don't have a box. So us thinking like them, probably a good idea. For spontaneity, depends on what you're doing. Um, A lot of the stuff is really, when you want to see real spontaneity, do those tabletop exercises. Walk through those kind of things, and that's where you can really kind of highlight that critical thinking and that different thinking. Not not to mention um, communicating to senior leadership and creating the decks or even uh, the memos that you need to do to deliver your messaging, that's all marketing. If you can't communicate your point to senior leadership, you won't be able to get funding, you won't be able to get headcount, all the things that you're looking for. Oh, I think we lost Renee or she's on mute. But in the meantime, um, Paul mentioned, I love that, Chris. Think of all all the cons and virtual events who ended up on Discord. Uh, They didn't change the access to the event and stayed active on Discord after, uh, for example, GrimCon. And then um, Lindsay mentioned, I'm trying to marry my soft elk to my PF sense now. So learning never stops. That's the one common denominator for all professionals. And then um, Paul mentioned employers listening. Benita went through the great valor cyber risk apprenticeship. So um, keep an eye out for her. <laughs> Benita, we got to make sure we have to make sure Benita gets the job. Great questions, Benita. Can you hear me now? I was yes, muted. Okay, perfect, perfect. Well, um, kind of like to ask this last question at the end, uh, Josh. If you had to look back at yourself, um, your 20-year-old self, what advice would you give to him? I think the advice I would give myself if I was back at 20 years old would be to get in the books a little bit more, you know, start studying a lot sooner, a lot harder. Um, I took the very much the tinker approach to cybersecurity education where I would get things, break them and put them back together. Uh, And I would have definitely benefited from a bit more of the formal education sooner in my career than um, where I ended up doing my education towards, I won't say the end because I'm still in my forties, but uh, much later in my career, my thirties where when I was doing the formal education, I wasn't really learning a whole lot of things because I'd learned it the hard way. If I would have done it kind of the traditional path, it would have been probably a little more beneficial earlier. Nice. Um, we'll address this last question and then we'll wrap it up. Um, TR Padmedic says, as someone who's been a paramedic for 30 years and a reserve police officer who is pivoting to cyber, I might still have something that I can already bring to the table. I would say, first of all, incident response, coolness in in a crisis, 
Um, yeah, being able to track down through inform inter informational interviews, like the root cause of things. Um, as a paramedic, as a police officer, you're doing that. And as an IR manager, you're doing the same thing. Um, Josh, anything to add to that? Yeah, absolutely. I've actually had quite a few uh, former police officers that worked for me over the years, and they are some of my best analysts because they have that investigative mentality. Same thing with folks that are cross training from medical type career fields. You have that investigative, get to the root cause mentality and focus. So you can able to really, really easily transfer that into the cybersecurity and even traditional IT of how does this work? Why is it broken? Let me go find where it's broken at or where did this bad thing occur at? Absolutely 100% awesome transferable skills. And as a paramedic and reverse reserve officer, there's a great program through Pacific Northwest University that is targeted at first responders to help them transition to security roles. That's 100% free. Wow. Well, share that in the link for us, uh, Josh, Please. that way we can share it out. Josh, uh, what was the name of that again? Uh, Pacific Northwest University. Okay. I'm try to get it real quick. And in the meantime, I want to thank you all for joining us from Twitch, from LinkedIn, from YouTube, sharing your questions. Feel free to share this episode once we're done with all your friends and family. We really do need the diverse group of folks that are watching, paramedics, um, people going through apprenticeships. We, we, we need everyone in the industry with all different views. Um, we even love recruiters that come over to the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while. <laughs> well, folks, thank you for joining us and have yourself a great day. And we'll see you tomorrow, right, Chris? Yeah, we'll see you tomorrow at 1 p.m. on yeah. uh, my feed. Chris's feed. Bye, everybody. Bye.